0: Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga. Ja, Bravo, macht Tempo, wartet auf Hartheart. Schwank kommt und jetzt ist er los. Also, Arminia Bielefeld. Penny,
1: 2 2-0! 2-0 für den FC St. Pauli. Diese. Klanke Tor! Nächster Treffer. Es ist heuer Fernandes mit vorne. Na klar ist er mit vorne. Kittel mit der Ecke. Feuerball! Hello and welcome to another edition of the Spider Bundesliga podcast. Today we'll be discussing all the action from Match Day 32. If you thought it was going to be predictable till the end, boy were we wrong. Has uh, Match Day 32 threw up just all the drama, all the action, and everything in between? It has been a crazy Match Day, and as the realization of the of a dream, that's Match Day 34, which is coming up very shortly, will be. One that will be infatuated by looking at the score sheets, what's happening in all the other games, match day 32, especially on the Friday night kickoff, had all of that just as a preview. As always, alongside me to discuss all the action from the Spider Bundesliga is the one and only Eva Baller. Eva, good morning to you. A busy weekend previous with the, with the Spider Bundesliga, but we are also getting closer to finding out who will be joining the league. For next season,
0: yeah, I mean, I think it's a good thing uh, that we now know for, I, I, I would, I would say ninety nine percent that at least it there won't be an, Zweite um, Bundesliga podcast relegation promotion playoff game. I think this this is really really good for <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> I don't know how we we'll get. I'm also very glad we're not going to play Darmstadt said this plenty of times this is a trauma i don't want to relive um but i mean like i think especially one team we didn't really expect to be in this relegation playoff spot now um potentially being that even the last stretch to to actually get promoted um is there now and as a neutral um especially the friday night games as you've mentioned was a lot of fun i think for fans involved uh not so much um but i think yeah it's it's it, it's amazing how the league like we still have so many possibilities like you can go through the the kicker tap in rechner like five or six times and you always get different outcomes and i think this yeah, just for us, it's sometimes very difficult because you try to explain what's happening, and you can't really. But this is at the same time the beauty of football because if everything would be explainable and would be could be explained by rules and tactics and formations, it wouldn't be the sport we love so much. Um, and that's why yeah this was actually once t- once again a huge uh, advertisement for the zweite bundesliga and uh, even though we might not have with just but with the names not as a potentially huge league like this year not next season i'm i'm quite sure we're going to have um yeah similar situations in both ways at the end of this season and i think that's Even as a team that gets relegated, it's something you can look forward to because, to be honest, it's more fun if you know there are more games you could potentially win. Uh, And actually, every team does a lot to reach their goals and doesn't stop playing after match day 30 and travels to Ibiza for vacation. I think that's a good thing.
1: (laughs) I knew that was coming. What I was going to say before we get going is that from the... The four seasons that we've done this podcast, virtually every season has had some sort of variable. Whether it was Fert winning on the last match day last season, um, you know, Bielefeld doing what they did from being almost relegated one year to league champions the next. There's always some sort of storyline to follow. Um, this season has been one of the most extraordinary seasons of football that I've. Not only seen as someone, as as people covering the league, but just as a just as a generalist, you know you don't get it so often where you've got five teams that could still mathematically get promoted with two games to go. The playoffs are still very undecided in the Bundesliga versus wider Bundesliga sense. We'll talk about the other matchup, which seems almost set in stone uh, later in the show. But it's been an extraordinary season and. I don't think we know... The the final chapters of this book are still very much undecided. Um, But uh, what we do know, however, is that we will bring you all the action when it comes available. We look forward to getting to the end of the season and actually taking a break before we have to, of course, start the following season, which will begin in July. Holy crap. Anyway, let's get on with our our Match Day 32 review. And we're going to start with Group 1. Two of the games were from Friday night. The first one we're going to talk about is Werder Bremen and Holstein Kiel. Bremen entered the match day top of the table. They'd beaten Schalke 4-1 away from home. They had the momentum. It was theirs to, if they win and results go their way, they could have even had a five-point gap with two games to go. Almost set in stone. Promotion was guaranteed. And when they took a two-goal cushion early on in the first half through Nicholas Fulkrug scoring within the opening 100 seconds... And then Marvin Duke scoring from the spot after Simon Lorenz had handled the ball, Frank Villenborg, with the assistance of, v- of VAR, giving a penalty, and correctly so. From there, you think this game is done. Keeler cooked, Bremen on their way to the promised land. But boy, would you be wrong. Just before halftime, a quasi-right shot would be turned in by Nicholas Fulkrug, And it's something that just only nightmare books could be written of. Another own goal on 71 minutes when Jonas Vandenberg's cross was put in by Anthony Jung. Unfortunate for Kazi Wright because he he thought he had two goals, but in fact he had none. And just to compound the nightmare even further, five minutes before the end of regular time, Julian Julian Korb scored his third goal of the season, Akil's third of the game, and Bremen, who were undoubtedly the biggest losers of Matchday 32, We'll talk about why at the end of this section. But how did this happen? They, We can't explain it. We, we're going to try and explain it. But they were comfortable. It never looked like they were in any danger of losing this game. But it only took one goal and a slight tactical switch from Marcel Rapp. And the game changed forever.
0: Yeah, and I mean, this is actually quite interesting. Because if you if you look at Q, they really don't want... The northern clubs to get promoted. Apparently, they won against St. Pauli, They won against Thaisval. Right now they won against Bremen. And actually, quite interesting in this game because uh, Maserab switched to a three four one two, and you could really see that that had their problems with them with that. Uh, they obviously had the same lineup as the week before. Um, and in the beginning, it was I mean we we talked about this last week with with James um really typical vada beginning um they were the better team except they were actually fighting the back of the net uh quite early this time but um i really loved how how kiel didn't back down like i mean you have clubs you have teams you're even like potentially in in both leagues uh and the Bundesliga and the second Bundesliga, you have teams where they then say okay the season for us is over nevertheless kind of yeah um nothing a lot to play about okay we're now one nil down it's fine but they were actually keep on they were playing on and playing on and actually putting a lot of pressure on vera um i mean it was a lot of slapstick um Mm. in for for the first vertical as well. I mean, uh I think Korb is too far away from Dukes. You you should never let Dirk make that cross. To Földrug, um, Teska and and um Lorenz had a horrible mm. horrible, horrible day in the first half of that game. Um yeah, but I really liked how Kiel didn't back down. I mean they nearly equalized right away. It was very close offside decision. For Holtby, uh, or I think uh, Pichler before, and Holtby was at, at the end of that chain, kind of. Um, I don't really know what Fökluk was thinking there and in, in why he even intercepts the ball there. It doesn't really make sense to me. I think Pavlenka would have had a uh, clear view, and he. I, I don't really know, but he stands with the back to to the goal i'm not sure um and then it's i'm so sorry because i keep telling saying this week in and week out but at some stage if you don't use your chances and they had a lot i mean fukuk should have scored at least once Duck should have scored um especially with that header for example Mm. um you you should do like you should really convert those chances and we had games where this only only cost them one point, but in this game it actually cost them two, um, uh, three. Sorry, I'm, it's early morning. Um, <laughs> and I, like, Keel had nothing to lose, as mentioned, and they came with some sort of confidence that they won before against those teams. And sometimes they really showed. Ver you don't need I don't know a hundred <laughs> shots on target i mean this let's name it nineteen, but i mean if you if you look at it out of those nineteen shots, only six were on target for Kiel ten shots on goal, five on target Is the like then you can do more out of that, and I mean Fouca only one out of his eight shots on goal was on target. And I know you can't always explain everything with with statistics, and normally they it it's enough for them, but especially towards the end of the season, you always have to guess it. It cannot be enough. And um, yeah, Verdas defense as good as they were last week against Schalke. Uh, this was a horrible performance. Rabfriede, young with their own goal. Uh, the three-two is horrible. Horrible <clears throat> defending, far away, too far away from Cobb in that situation, and um, Cobb can just basically even turn him, turn around himself and convert that that shot. And yeah, i and, and I mean, uh, who was very impressive, although he didn't get on the score sheet himself. This game was uh definitely quasi Reed. I, I really liked him in this game. He has really stepped up uh, throughout the second leg of the season. He always, like, even though he doesn't score goals, he just his presence in in the, in the opponent's box always has an impact. And I think, um, yeah, I'm quite interesting to see how or where that key Road might lead next season. With more time, still, I'm of the opinion that they need this a more traditional striker up front, but otherwise, um, Kiel could, could, if they get some sort of consistency in their game, could be one of the teams that might push for promotion, especially if at the end of the season we have, for example, Bremen, Schalke and Darmstadt going up, then Bielefeld Fürth, and Stuttgart potentially going down. You, you have a different situation than this year and, um, I think the the league will be a bit more on high level, even more like especially in midfield or the Mm -hmm. traditional midfield teams. Um, There will be a couple of teams that really can do that, that dark horse push for promotion. And um, I think this one, the the best thing that could happen to Kiel is that they didn't get relegated, obviously, after how weird the season was. And I think they can really build on that. And I'm actually looking forward on how that will go.
1: Yeah, their squad build's going to be really interesting. We mentioned it last week. What um, the future holds for them in terms of personnel, and um, I I would love them to see. I'd love to see Quasi Rit and um, Benedict Pickler more often as a as a as a having a top two because they seem to really feed off each other quite well, and um, they may have found something. Obviously, if if they can play more frequently, then we'll get a better indicator. But this is the thing. This is the this is the danger Bremen faces, is that they play teams with nothing to play for. Now, Kiel had nothing to play for. They just wanted to confirm for another season that they'd be in the league. And even if Keel had lost, they would they would have survived. They'd be here for another season. They play Auer, who've just been relegated. Now, we'll talk about Auer later on in this group. But, uh, well, I don't know. And Jan Regensborg will do will make games tricky, very cagey. Uh, They'll tighten the game up. So, uh, we've talked about... But what we've said about Bremen all year, though, he's got to take those chances. We know that there have been Bremen fans especially who uh, don't like it when we talk about that uh, that word, uh, that phrase, but bit them on the butt. Uh, Let's take it. They had 12 shots on goal in the second half, um, but three of them were on target, and they didn't score, and they conceded twice and they were all just miserable it was just it's just ah oh, imagine being in the stadium how to how just awful just just seeing it play out and just thinking this cannot be happening um but uh you know it's a shame it's a shame almost this game wasn't played on like halloween or april 1st because that's what it felt. That's what it would have felt like. It would just be. It would have been horrible. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Anyway, let's move on before I really invoke even more pain. Um, Schalke. Let's talk about Schalke because they were on the uh, the end of an ass kicking last week to uh, Werder Bremen. This week, though, they took on Sandhausen. Now Sandhausen, who have we've we've lauded them for being the third best team in the Swabian Bundesliga in the Rookrunde. Schalke and Bremen, of course, have been. Better than them, but uh, this was a massive game not only for Zanhausen, because they knew if results went their way, they would be in the they would guarantee from, you know survival, which we felt they'd already done enough. Schalke, of course, win and with with the defeat to um, to Werder Bremen, they could return to the top of the table. This game was cagey. Schalke certainly seemed the more likely to score, and they did open the scoring uh, when Simon Torotta beat. Patrick Droez to give Schalke the 1-0 lead. That was his 26th goal of the campaign, and it seemed as if Schalke were on their way. But, of course, as we know with this league, nothing is as it seems when Dennis Diekmeyer, yes, the Dennis Diekmeyer, he scored his first goal of the season on 83 minutes, and it was all tied up. But would there be a hero? Yes, there would be. When Blenden-Adrizi found Simon Trotter, he prodded... He kicked, he huffed, he puffed, he blew the house down. They scored and the 10,000 travelling Schalke fans were in raptures when Toronto scored his 27th goal of the season and Schalke took a 2-1 lead. Zanhausen pressed forward to try and get an equaliser. They did not, but they did see a a red card when Kalu Kual, Kual, who is from Australia, uh, he's on loan from Stuttgart, in his first appearance for Zanhausen, and his last appearance for Zahnhausen because he's got a three game suspension he um well he chopped Thomas Ovian like a like a tree in the woods um and was despite the reaction here in Australia, which surprisingly everyone thinks he should have got a yellow card um no offense to those, but those with glasses know that that was a straight red card um and his reaction on on Instagram was even weirder where he was kind of thinking it was funny, which yeah. Not great, but anyway, let's move on from that because that was pretty uh, pretty ordinary stuff. But I'd, I'd expect nothing less from the Australian media in particular because they are puss. Um, so, let's talk about Schalke then. They they got it done in the end. A, uh, a change in the way they look, we saw Itakura move back to centre-back alongside uh, Kaminsky. Chial was chucked to the bench. They had to do it the hard way. We know that Zanhausen give teams a tricky match. Um, but... In, in many ways, it does help when you have the all-time leading goalscorer for the league just find a way to get a win. And what a massive win it is. Now, Schalke control their own destiny.
0: I mean, before the game, um, I, I kind of had the feeling that somehow, even though uh, Schalke won, uh, lost one uh, lost the week before, I, I kind of had the feeling they're going to win this. Um I was right. Hit, hit. Uh, but, <laughs> oh boy! Um, I mean, as you've mentioned, it it didn't really look like it, and I mean, um, it, it it was kind of a home game for for Schalke um, in in Zandhausen. As you've mentioned, a lot of fans traveled there. It was actually amazing because we were kind of doing a choreo with with the fans, like uh, on the other um, on the other stands as well. It Was uh, actually quite uh, fun to look at um in the first half um a good performance especially by Patrick Trevis um this, if you if you look at the signings of Sandhausen he's arguably their best um so far towards uh, the end of the season um twice very good at Costa um in, in general Sandhausen gave Schalke too much room in in the first half in my opinion like um there were a lot of, a lot of situations where um yeah the the Sheikha players could break through uh, could overplay the defense, but they didn't do anything with it, like this was probably if Shiker wouldn't have won that game, um you can look at the first half and then say, okay, this is actually where you should have pushed for the win um and um, yeah, for, for Daku Chulinov, <laughs> he, apparently the, the football gods have something against him scoring goals. And except Terada always getting those goals. <laughs> because his first attempt was actually quite good already. Hitting the post and then uh, Terada does what he does best. A <laughs> bit unfair for Chulinov, but well, good for Tirado. Um And then it, it seemed like it was Sandhausen versus the top five again. Like, mm-hmm. With the 1-1 and you were like, okay. Why, why, why do I not learn from yeah. putting this into my kicktip? Um, and then, yeah, it was, I wrote down it was one long ball by Freisel, a one-area duel, a one-second ball, <laughs> so a lot of minutes, and a lazy dig, my advice to and then created the, the, the Schaiko win, and that was, um... Yeah, the, the scenes after that was quite amazing. If you could see Ruven Schröder, <laughs> obviously the highlight of the weekend for a lot of Schalke fans was uh T-Rodde, um, in the post match interview, realizing he does not have a voice anymore. Um, was it's actually quite a funny video, uh, and I'm saying that as a person who doesn't like Simon Tirode a lot. And you and I'm even now I'm mad at Tirode because I actually had to laugh at something Torsten Matuschka did after that, so. <laughs> What is this? <laughs> um, but it was, yeah, actually quite cool to look at how he realizes in the interview he do- doesn't actually has a voice anymore, and tries always forgets it while speaking. Um, yeah, and I mean, um, this is the this is the beauty of the zweite Bundesliga. A team can get beaten four one, and you think everything is done, and then go on and win the next game last minute. And I mean, really, those last minutes. On Friday night with the Bream game, with the Schalke game and with the St. Pauli game, which we we'll talk about in a minute. Um, that was a huge thing and you wouldn't have loved to be on the toilet for the last five minutes of the conference because uh, then you would miss all the fun. Um, yeah, and I mean, now I think we're actually coming to the most surprising game of all. I mean, didn't really expect that, but um, i leave the introduction to you.
1: Yeah, I guess I'll have a quick word on, like, just before we get to that game, um, just a quick final on the Schalke win. Um, massive. Just huge. Control your destiny. It's all on you. Uh, I guess for Sandhausen, Alias Schwarz was given a contract extension. He's going to be there till 2024. Whether he sees out till 2024 is another thing, but we shall see. Now, let's talk about, um, well... A game that was a six-pointer for both sides playing in this game. Darmstadt, Erzgenberger, Auer, Saturday night, Merckstadion and Ballenfeld Tour. Stage is set. Auer need a result. We'll talk about the Dresden game later, but the door was still ajar for them, had they won, to still be in the hunt for the playoff. Darmstadt, with the knowledge of a Schalke win and a Bremen loss, they win, they jump to second. Very possible, if they score enough goals. They scored enough goals, all right. Um, oh, boy. Uh, this game was over in a trice. In the space of three minutes, uh, Darmstadt scored three times. Luca Pfeiffer, Tim Skarke, Braden Manu, 3-0 after 19 minutes. Our offered nothing, virtually nothing. Um, as Skaka scored a second, a tap tapping Kemper a free kick, 6-0 the final score, Erzkeberger are, are relegated. They will join Ingolstadt in the Dritzliga. Uh, and what that means for Dinamo is that they are going to be the playoff team. Uh, who they play, we'll talk about that in their section. Darmstadt, they are second. And now and they have the goal difference advantage over Werder Bremen. They control their destiny with two games to go. But uh this game was extraordinarily painful for the neutral. But those who enjoy lots of goals, they saw it, but just for one side.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've only seen uh, like the first 20 minutes of this game. But that was actually enough because you could really leave afterwards. Uh, quite impressive. I Actually, this is the sixth time this season Darmstadt has won with four or more goals. Uh, qu- quite impressive. Um, and also the third time they were leading with four goals at halftime. <laughs> uh, you don't really want to be the other team uh, at home when Darmstadt has a good game. Um, I mean, the 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 beginning of the game wasn't... You, you couldn't really quite grab, in my opinion, but then this one mistake... And actually... One mistake that led to at least two more in a very similar way in build up play. And after that everything went downhill for our I mean, three goals in five minutes. Kakutalua had a horrible game oh, Um I don't think he will stay on that hour. He had a horrible season. Mm. In in general, I think the whole defense except maybe goalkeeping needs needs a new setup because it like they were not good. They were even more horrible than Ingolstadt this season. And so, so many mistakes. Like, those three goals, they just came from build-up play mistakes that Darmstadt intercepted. Mm-hmm. And obviously, if you concede three goals in five minutes, you're done. <laughs> it's not, not... Like, you can't come back after that. But, um yeah, in a way, I think this really... In, in a way it was a good comparison or a good picture on how our season went because actually they just say those three mistakes were putting in a coach at the beginning of the season with the Spilevsky who didn't really work out and then not really being able to get out of that um, even though two, two more or at least one more manager change and yeah, I like in the end it was really, really impressive by Darmstadt. You gotta say at some stage they didn't really have an opponent as well. Um as you've mentioned now Auer has nothing to play for anymore. Um to be honest, they didn't really had a lot before this match day either. But I mean sometimes you have those situations now as when you know that you get relegated, the next team is going to be better or it's the um, no matter what we want to say goodbye, especially because it's the last home game of the season, we want to say goodbye. Not good that it's against Vera Brim, because they have something to play for. Um, yeah, but I think we've seen a lot of times last year, uh, the, the last years, that somehow our managed to stay in the league uh, due to right fixes in the last minute. And this was really, really missing this year. And... Um, I think this was, as you've mentioned before in in the podcast here. Um, I don't see them going up right away. It's going to be very very difficult for them actually not, for example, take the same road as Würzburg does and get relegated to the next league. Um, it's going to be, um, yeah, very very difficult, and I I do worry about them a bit because a lot is wrong in this club. I don't still don't think yeah. Leonard is a good guy to work under uh, with Pavel Dachev as well it's a very in my opinion very difficult team to go against um and a very yeah <clears throat> they I think our fans like them so much because they I don't know embody what our is all about but I think of uh, for the long run it's it's not gonna help them. Yeah. And um yeah, as for <laughs> the they're the winner of this of this match though together with Shaker, and um quite impressively yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see whether they, they get promoted right away. Um you can't like good to see Luca Pfeiffer finally getting back, but what I think is most impressive about this game is out of like those six goals were scored by five different people um and I think this is something in a way that really characterizes Darmstadt as well Mm -hmm. that they always had someone to step it up and this is maybe something something that was missing from teams like Bremen and in some stages Schalke as well
1: yeah I mean the really good teams have multiple outlets for goal actually you could you could even argue this point for Darmstadt because a lot of their goals last season came from Sudar Duson as well as Tobias Kemper, who had a career best in in goals, but they found multiple avenues and to be fair um and and by no means disrespectful to Al but it was fitting that they were wearing um, orange all orange on uh, on the Saturday night because that's yeah they may as well have been statues or even training cones because they didn't offer a lot of resistance. Let's take our first break, and on the other side, we will discuss our Group 2 games, starting with St. Pauli and Nürnberg. It has been a miserable April for St. Pauli. Heading into this game, winless in four, dropping out of the top three and in danger of missing out completely. They've also been hit with COVID, which will affect them heading into the next couple of games, especially the big one against Schalke on the weekend. But they needed to take care of business to keep themselves in the hunt against the Nürnberg side, who are also clinging on for dear life. In what was a relatively open first half, St. Pauli had the better chances, but without Guido Borgsteller, they really missed his quality and they were unable to convert said chances until they received a penalty. Asker Sorensen's foul was... Silly and unnecessary. And Daniel kofi Kire got on the score sheet. And St. Pauli looked like they were going to take the three points. But this is the month from hell. They've, ter- they've had a high type month that we expect from them. 92 minutes. Talon Duman gets his third goal of the campaign. Nürnberg, who... The draw doesn't help them. And you would say... They will need a lot of luck to even make the playoff, but you'd say they're out with six points adrift. But they did put a massive dent in St. Pauli's hopes for promotion. So how did this game happen? Eva, this is a massive blow for St. Pauli. The biggest problem that we've... We're talking about this off-air, that they've just they've had a lot of games this in this part of the season where they've had leads, they've looked in control... And they've thrown games away with defensive errors or untimely fouls or just voodoo or some sort of jinx or something, some sort of magic. I don't know how to explain it, but they had this game comfortable and they got their goal. And you would think they will hold on from here at home, crowd behind them. And they just found found another way to not win.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, this is something we talked about off-air as well. And I want to go back for a minute because the thing is, when um, Zankt Pauli went to the winter break, they had a 3-0 defeat to Kiel. And I remember that me and a couple of other people as well were kind of comparing that to Bielefeld in 2019 when they lost 3-0 to Zankt Pauli. And what then was always talked about how important it is to come out of a break and be focused. And for Bielefeld, for example, this was twice the case with obviously the winter break and then um, after the COVID break, um, how to come out of this. Bielefeld managed to do that quite well, especially because after the first break, there was also the Foguzama injury. For example, Pauli, they had the problem that one of the most important players from the whole that was really what that Timo Schultz was building around his whole formation, his way of playing with Kofi was away with the Africa cup. And so they had a horrible start into 2022. And at some stage you had the feeling, no matter what they do now, they can't reverse that. And this was actually happening. And this is why, it's still like their their quality is still enough to have at least a tiny chance for relegation. It's really tiny, and they. The thing is, it's even more not really like they have the biggest disadvantage because uh, they only have eight players in training at the moment due to COVID cases and because the rules are after the 34th match day they aren't any games to be replayed, kind of, because then the season is over, except obviously the playoff games, but this different thing. No matter what, they don't really have a choice than playing this weekend, because if they play next week, you can't really say much more players will be back, just because you don't know how COVID will end, and then you only have three days to recover, more or less. Um, And somehow you could really see that then they had to find a formation where not their whole focus is on kind of Kiri doing what he does in midfield. Um and that was way too easy because at the same time teams who like because every team then have had played them once, teams were adjusting their way of playing and how Zhang Pauli was playing. And because that creative part was missing with Kiri St. Pauli was way too easy being outplayed, and this didn't change even when Kiri came back. Since in, in 2022, you more have those games, where St. Pauli, we talked a lot about a lot of times St. Pauli took the lead, they were the better team, they were the better team in this game as well, especially in the first half. There was this one one situation where you had two chances by Nuremberg, one chance by St. Pauli in just one minute, but they couldn't use their dominance. <laughs> this is actually quite similar to Vera, although Vera then managed to win more games than Zhang Pauli in the end. And yeah, I mean, Becca nearly with the one nil. Then they only scored through a penalty. And in the second half, then Newbeck did a bit more. And then this this goal at the end, it's it's just nail in the coffin kind of thing. Uh, was not good defending. I mean, obviously, bottom players were already missing here as well due to COVID cases or yellow card suspensions for example, CS and Hata, two very important players. But nevertheless, um, obviously, Pauli didn't build on getting promoted this year, but you have to talk about if you have been top of the league for such a long time, it's still a disappointment um, because basically you did not do enough from January to April, kind of. Stay, we're actually fighting that, and you can't rely in the zweite liga on the rest of the teams not doing their deeds. And probably not Bayern München, Bremen, Schalke, HSV, Nuremberg, uh, Darmstadt. They're not Borussia Dortmund, who says, well, get the title. We're fine with that, and um, yeah, you could really, really see that in the game. And uh, well, Thailand Duman, um, he, I don't, towards the end of the season, he is always some sort of surprise package. In in some games, you think, how could you score that goal? It's like the most easiest thing you've done. And a game like this, he he steps up. I mean, they. It wasn't enough. They needed to, to win to, to stay in that promotion fight. But nevertheless, I think it was a good game to watch um, if you weren't one of the <laughs> yeah. fan of one of the teams. But yeah, I think um, saint Pauli was... In the end, it was a typical 2022 game for saint for Pauli, which yeah. isn't good.
1: <laughs> no. I mean, I don't want to put a fork in them just yet. Because I'm superstitious, and that's a, that's a different topic. But yeah, the, the COVID stuffs a killer. If they are going to have to be forced to play with you know under twenties players or you know youth team players, essentially, um, depending on what their availability will come will look like come Friday, um, twenty four hours before the game. So yeah, it. It's it's a, it's a disaster. It's been a disastrous month. Um, only Dresden have uh, been as bad um, in the month of April, and <clears throat> I mean it's a good learning experience. But these kinds of collapses, it's called it what it is. It's a collapse. Um, can have psychological damage going forward, and and you just wonder what the outlook of the team will be next season, and if they can if they can run it back because. You know, we know how hard promotion is, and teams that have fallen short or lost in the playoffs, it takes them a while to get back to it. And um, yeah, it's going to be, it's one that we'll look back on depending on if they can get a result at Schalke and and Dusseldorf on the final match day. Um, what could have been, because for so long, um, especially in that first half of the season, they looked odds on. They didn't look like anyone could beat them to promotion. Maybe Darmstadt. But, whereas Darmstadt have found resolutions to their issues, St. Pauli just haven't. And this is the situation they are, as they drop down to 5th place. Because Big Brother, Hamburger SVL, well, are also clinging on, but they've, they're they in the right form at the right time. They are the, the in-form side, last 5 games, they've won 4, lost 1. They won 4-0 on the weekend against already rele- relegated Ingolstadt. The scoring started uh, on 27 minutes when Anzi Suhonen found Sonny Kittel uh, to give Hamburg the lead. Kittel coming back into the starting 11 after just coming off the bench last time out. Uh, then, moments later, Hamburg doubled their advantage when Miro Mulheim found Sebastian Schonlau, another header, another goal. Let's make it a third-headed goal when Kittel... Uh, teed up Robert Glatzel, that's Kittle's 16th assist, Glatzel's 19th goal of the campaign. And Mikkel Kaufmann, um, who I think a lot of us would have liked to see him play a little bit more game time this season. He got his first goal of the season on 81 minutes when Joshua Wagnerman found him at the back post. 4-0 the final score. They are the team. And, and I men- we've mentioned this kind of in passing, bit hesitant, the best defensive team in the league... They've got the best goal difference in the league with two games to go. They've got both very, very winnable games with Han- Hanover and Hansa Rostock. They couldn't, could they? They couldn't just sneak into that playoff. They are making things uncomfortable. It has to be said for Bremen and Darmstadt and even Schalke to an extent. But um, yeah, this was a cakewalk game. Um, it would be fair to say that Hamburg and Ingolstadt were very much playing two different, two different sports.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I, I was really reminded of the game in the first leg. Like, um, it's actually quite, in my opinion, a, a copy of that game um, in the first leg, like, which which one won three now, I think. Um, Englishman was way too passive. I mean, they hope they can have a, a good goodbye on next week when I don't know, like they will have a Zandhausen like. I don't know goodbye, goodbye festivities, whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, a bit there was a bit was missing um, by Haspel the the accuracy um, in, before that goal. Um, but after that, that that got bad, got better um, after the Kittle goal. I mean, if Kittle scores a goal with a header, mm. your defense is not that good. And actually, the second goal was from a header as well by by Shunlau, I think. And, um, yeah, the best chance English had had through, uh, through the game was, was that chance by pick. If they could have scored that, maybe maybe things would have changed. But, yeah, I mean, in the end, good good result for Haas foul. As mentioned, they didn't really have problems with English this season. Good um, to see Mika getting on the score sheet for the first time, although with a... With a little help, uh, Mika Kaufman and um, yeah, with a little help from Stojanovic. Reem stays on as head coach. He's one of the few few personalities who's actually going to change, uh, stay, sorry, help. Um, but yeah, I mean, for for HSV, once again, you really have to ask the question, what could have been if they haven't lost that game to against Kiel? It's, it's a lot of Maybe, yes, no, whatever, but um yeah you 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 wonder, and um, yeah, it's going to be, i think in in my opinion, they're so close to promotion, like n- never before, mm. at least in the last two or three years um they the, I mean they can reach the relegation spot, in my opinion, um, but yeah they they really really have to concentrate on themselves uh, and not ask only other teams to perform or do their duties. Um, I think this really showed, uh, this was what this match day really showed. You can't rely on, on on the other teams to do what you want, but you, you have to perform yourself, bring, bring, bring 100% into the game. Otherwise it's going to be very difficult to reach your goals.
1: There was a great bit of maturity with the Hamburg performance. They just took care of business. They controlled the game. They didn't really give English that many, if any, opportunities to, to, to score. I mean, you, you reiterated the pick chance, which Hoyer Fernandez made a really good save because he's going away from the ball um, to, to get his uh, his big right paw onto it. But um, an interesting stat that uh, Haas Foul News English mentioned. In the last two away games, they scored eight goals and... Um, in those two away games, eight goals from eight different goal scorers. That bodes very, very well. Uh, you should follow him as well for all your Haasville, uh English news. He uh, is a very good follower for English. That uh, the clear out is just beginning. They are literally going to be gutting the squad, left, right, and centre. We saw that uh, Bilbia Ecardiensa didn't play. They've already got new clubs apparently. Uh, that will be, I'm sure, will be announced in, in due time. But also, uh, Thomas Keller, who played in this game. He's off to Heidenheim. Uh, both of their goalkeepers, Fabian Buntic, Robert Yendrush, are uh, gone. Dian Stjanovic is a um, loan player from Middlesbrough. He will return back to Borough. Uh, we may see him next season on loan. Who, who knows? But... Uh, yeah, that, that squad's going to look completely different come next season. It'll be interesting to see what they do in the Dritte League But their time here is almost up. A team that will be trying to prolong their stay for an extra two games in the month of May will be Dinamo Dresden. They took on Jan Regensburg at home. Massive, 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 massive game. They need to win. They need something to build on heading into the playoff because we know it will be them. That is a guarantee. They are seven points away from Hanover from St. Elsen. They are safe from Erzgebirge hour We know it's them. That's lock it in. We don't know who their opponent will be. It's either going to be Eintracht Braunschweig or Kaiserslautern. We'll talk about that later on. But this game, they look strong in the first half. They look as they do, very good with the counter-pressing, very aggressive, trying to control the game. They got their goal. On 73 minutes. Christoph Daferno. Who else but Christoph Daferner at home for Dinamo. They looked like they had a second goal. When uh, Batista Maia found ransford Jaboa koningsdorfer But he was offside. He just didn't time his run. You can see he tried to check it. He just couldn't get onside in time. No goal. And as has been the story for Dinamo this season. That pain was too much to extinguish. Because on eighty-eight minutes, Benedict Gimba found Andreas Albers for his ninth goal of the campaign and Jan steal a point. Jan guarantee themselves another season in the Sweder Bundesliga. But um, Dinamo also now guarantee themselves a playoff berth. What a painful season it's been. This campaign in particular for Dinamo. They just can't hold on to leads. They just they find new ways to loot to, to, to not win games. They had this game pretty much in control, um, but, yeah, another result, another winless performance. Um, Now that they know their fate, what do they need to do in the next two games to get at least a bit of momentum for the playoffs?
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, here we talk a lot about not using your chances here as well. I mean... Akoto had two yeah. big chances in the first half. Good saves by Kirschbaum who was um yeah stepping in for Maya once again. Uh, but to be fair it was a really horrible game to watch. Yeah. Um the thing is I was r- wondering about um we know normally I would say good atmosphere in Dresden. The problem is especially with the relegation uh playoffs I think I think if whoever is going to play them it looks like it's going to be Kaiserslautern at the moment um if they score early in Dresden I do fear that the atmosphere will really turn into something really bad for Dresden and we've seen this how it can end um which is not really good uh, for, for the players on the pitch um yeah in general I think as you've mentioned, they just couldn't hold on to the lead. Uh too easy for for Jan in the end to score. It wasn't a good game by them either. Um this game could have easily ended zero goals piece actually. Um yeah, both the the best player probably Ringsburg then had was uh Shibnowski. Um but who would have thought that Ringsburg can only secure uh, staying up in the league on match day 32 after that started to the season. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, they they have another try next season, but I still think they, they might be in trouble next season as well if they don't fix um, the right points. And it looks like they're going to, um, yeah, lose Max Puzushkov, who goes to Hanover. So I know um, Howard will continue with them
1: yeah it's um like considering the start of the season you probably would be have to be like how did this happen but the realists will tell you that um this is probably where we thought yan would be fighting to avoid relegation but doing just enough to avoid the inevitable bottom three um but their squad seems like it may also look a little bit different i think that Max Pashushkov looks likely to join Hanover, but there's no confirmation on that. But uh it definitely seems as someone that potential new coach Stefan Leider will want. Um Alexander Meyer, I feel like they're gonna have a hard time keeping him around for another season. Some you know, there will be definitely a team uh in the second tier that will definitely look at him as a potential option in goal. And you know, Shibnovsky go back goes back to Fortuna Dusseldorf. Saperit Singer who was great early on has been a non-factor he'll go back to Bayern um, you know David Otto will go back to Hoffenheim and all these players are kind of going back and their strategy for what they do in the future is going to be really really interesting and you do worry that they they could be a, what will be a very tight relegation battle next season but they do seem the most one of the teams that may be vulnerable um, along with Zanhausen and a bunch of other teams Dinamo playoff bound um, with Braunschweig's win against Magdeborg. Uh, they hold serve on whether they can get promoted or not. Kaiserslautern with that loss against Borussia Dortmund Spire, uh, they have it all to do now to get themselves into automatic promotion. But it does seem most likely that we will get a Dynamo Dresden-Kaiserslautern relegation playoff game, which from an atmosphere perspective is going to be absolutely bonkers. Truly a bonkers fixture But uh, there will be only one winner. We will find out who that will be towards the end of May. Let's take our final break and on the other side, we'll discuss our final three games, as well as look at our kick tip and more. Until then, wait for Hanover and Karlsruhe. There was a bit of concern that Hanover could be dragged in to the playoff battle but they dispelled all of those worries and some with a resounding 2-0 win over Karlsruhe. Just over 13,000 fans. Packed in to see Hendrik Weidant scoring only his third goal of the campaign. Bloody hell, how poor he has been. Uh, Maximilian Bayer, who is one for the future, but he will not be in Hanover Colours next year. I can almost guarantee that as he returns to Hoffenheim. He got a goal in a stoppage tie, and what a goal it was um, to get his third of the campaign. Fun factor for this one, that it was the first time since Match Day 5 that Linton Minor and Henrik Weidant started together. Um, they lost that game 4-0 to Darmstadt, by the way, but uh, none of that. Um, a big win for Hanover. They guarantee their status for um, another season. But, of course, it's really hard not to talk about what they might be next season because this season is very much... in De- & Berry. we suspect that Christoph Dabrowski won't be there... Stefan Leiter, we mentioned last week, it looks almost increasingly likely that he will be the new manager with um, it being announced last week that he had left he was going to leave Greutherford at the end of the season. But uh, wholesale changes seem to be afoot with Hanover. They're just looking forward to getting to the end of the season and I guess a win against the Karlsruhe side, who we know can be quite good um, but also quite poor. They'll take that any day of the week.
0: Yeah, I mean, um maybe this game was a bit of a foreshadowing for Karlsruhe next season because Hoffmann couldn't play in this game, so Schleusner was up front. And let's just say wouldn't give give Karlsruhe fans confidence, I would suggest <laughs> after that game. Um they were relatively harmless up front in my opinion. Um only had two shots on target. They had twelve shots on goal, but um yeah, enough for example, had three shots on goal, but none on target in general. Um, n- not a good game by them. Um, I thought, in the end, was a deserved win for Hanover just because they used the chances they got, although they didn't get as many. But out of three shots on target, they scored two goals. Um, yeah, the, and was a really nice cross by, by Maina for the for the first goal. Um, Maximilian Bayer, obviously... Saying already kind of on is goodbye to from Hanover back to Hoffenheim. Don't think he they, like Hoffenheim. Obviously, already said there's no way Hanover can keep them. And even though it, it it appears Martin Kind is on a giving spree, whatever. Um, don't think that's possible. Uh, but yeah, you already talked about that little thing. Um, it's like. It's not even in a way you don't you can't even be surprised. This is not the first time a Hanover coach is he's going to be fired at some stage, um through the media. Um uh yeah, from, from both sides from Hanover, from Lytle. I think it's completely disrespectful, not how you should act and um yeah, Lytle apparently already said he wants to get promoted in his first season at Hanover gotta be honest don't see that happening yet well we'll see but yeah in the end this was a typical like this was a game of two sides who were Hanover already was quite secure with that that um staying in the league for another year um at that stage and yeah it wasn't a good game <laughs> nevertheless I thought
1: yeah it really uh it was probably the worst of the um, Friday night fixtures, but uh, still probably better than anything that was dished up on Saturday. Um, yeah, good. Look, it's just a it's, a it's a, confidence boosting, but also for players who might be looking to apply their trade elsewhere next season, it at least gives them a bit more staying power, but also those who might want to prove to new management that they should get regular playing time, um, it's a good option for them. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, the current Hanover captain, um, Marcel Franca, uh, will be joining Karlsruhe at the end of this season. Contract going until 2025 does give them a bit more stability in defence. But uh, the big question for them will be, can they replace Philip Hoffman? It's a lot of production. I'll be interested to see who they go after. Um, so yeah, that that's one we'll have to keep an eye on going in the future um yeah both teams very much safe and looking forward to the end of the season uh, as are Heidenheim as are Fortuna Dusseldorf Dusseldorf um seeking to make it 10 games unbeaten under Daniel Tune and they did so comprehensive winners in the end 3 won the final score jakob Piotrowski Felix Klaus um Maurice Malone got a goal just after halftime, but then Christoph Clara, who was in for Jordi DeVice, who's out with the rib injury, um getting the goals in the end. <laughs> it's hard to make of what what this game was because uh, for me anyway, watching watching the game, Heidenheim were, were pretty hopeless defensively. They made a lot of individual errors, and you look at the, the second goal, that's avoidable. Third goal was poorly defended. The first goal was probably the only goal of actual quality from Piotrowski. But um, this is this for me anyway. This is why it's hard not to get excited about what Fortuna Tuzla are going to be next season. Clearly, with uh, a full well, I wouldn't even want to call it a full preseason because we'll be back in early July. Um, it's looking good. They they look confident. They look very. They, they they understand the system and do, to you and will be able to add more pieces. A win against the Haidens home side that we know is very hard to beat at home. These are all positive steps in the right direction heading towards next season.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, Haidens was really unusually bad at home. Obviously, it wasn't under Frank Schmidt, uh, but Bernard Raab was the coach. Uh, for this game, he made some t- changes in the second half. looked like I think Maurice Malone was one of them. Actually, yeah, he was, um, and he made an impact. But the rest, or it seemed like it, it really had an impact. But um, yeah, they, I hit the feeling they kind of stopped playing after after the um, after they got one back also because um, Dzidzorov answered right away. Uh, that was re- very impressive. Um, all in all, yeah, Düsseldorf has a has a good end to this to this season. Um, now, uh, tune turned it around. They changed managers. Um, in the end, at the right time, you could have wondered what could have happened if they changed it a bit earlier into the season. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in the end, um, good result for them. Heidenheim is still. A myth to me this season um, because you you had a couple of games where you thought okay this is a typical Hainam game and then they yeah didn't do what you would expect of them um, but yeah it's uh, don't think there is much more to talk about here
1: no not really but um it did cap off what was a very good week for Fortuna Düsseldorf they were able to sign. Tanaka for a deal going through to 2025. He's been good in patches, but someone that we're very excited to see stay at Fortuna. Um, another one of the products out of Kawasaki Frontale, best team in Japan at the moment. Um, so yeah, I, I think um, get him another another season under his belt. Uh, we'll see more development from Apple Camp. Um, you know they've still got guys like Ginsek, Hennings. If they can sign Yordy Device, um, yeah, they look look built. For me, they look built for a tilt at promotion next season. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, Heidenheim, yeah, I don't know. They just get to the end of the season. Let's see what they do. They usually pick up someone out of the blue in the transfer window and they turn out to go well, but we'll see for them. Uh, Our final game was Hansa Rostock and Paderborn. Hansa looking to confirm their status in the side Bundesliga for another season. They only needed a draw. In fact, they could have even lost, and they still would have guaranteed their their safety. Nil all the final score. Jean Vohoke had a good opportunity in the first half. Well saved by Yannick um, Hoots, and then Paderborn probably had the better of the chances in the second. In you know late first half, second half. Uh, van der Verde had his chance. So Benny had an opportunity. Um... Marcus Kolker was spectacularly good in this game made a number of really good saves especially that one at the end um, and it was enough Hansa will be back for another season you could see the emotion spilling over Jens Hartz especially um, was was overcome that uh He'd managed to get Hansa to stay in the side Bundesliga for another season. Good result for them, um, and also it's been a it's been a very good week for them as well. Hannover staying on for another season, and Simon Ryan staying until twenty twenty four. Good signings for them. They've both been very good for them. Meaningful contributors, uh, but a good result in the end for for Hansa. They know that their final two games, they can be a bit more comfortable knowing their status is safe.
0: Yeah, and I mean, in the end, um, of all three clubs that were promoted, um, they kind of deserved it the most also, just because throughout the season, you kind of knew what to expect of them. Obviously, they didn't win at home once again. It's also very consistent in a way. Um, yeah, I think there's both teams can live with that draw. Rusik obviously stays in the league. Paderborn, well, kind of fits as well. Um, they have a quite similar game in my opinion coming up on friday when they play Sandhausen um for rostock yeah you, you had that chance by for Hawk after that Paderborn wanted to play a bit as well, but ko also had a had a quite good game, and um yeah, I think in the end this this was <laughs> you could say a typical Game that ends in a draw and even in a nil draw, so that's fine. Um, both goalkeepers then had a good day. Who'd had one or two situations as well. And I think in the end, um, this it's not a two eight like like a couple of, uh, like I think last year when Paderborn was three eight or something like that. Uh, it's not like that, but um, it's 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 fine for, for for the teams and they can plan for next year.
1: Yeah, as we know, both teams very much doing so. Uh, probably one of the worst-kept secrets was Robert Leipertz has gone to Paderborn on a free. Um, he joins from Heidenheim. Yeah, he's a nice player. Experienced in the Sparta Bundesliga. Um, probably the replacement for Kai Pruger, who seems more likely that he won't be there next season. So, yeah, not a bad thing for... for um, for Paderborn, both will be happy with the results. But Paderborn's big test will be dumped out in the final match day. They could break some hearts really, really badly. Um, we know how good they are away from home, and uh, I'm sure they will have no issue playing spoiler if it comes to the final match day. Just some some housekeeping um, as we know at the moment, 11 teams have been confirmed for the Swede Bundesliga for next season. The status of those other seven teams will be at least concluded by the end of May. Now, kick tip, Lewis is still leading on 323 points. Yannick and Zombie, 11, top scoring with 15. Now, we usually would have a podcast recommendation, but our friends at the Schalke Canada Fan Club, as well as the St. Pauli Toronto Fans Club, they've got an event going on at the Doc Ellis Sports Bar, the home of Toronto St. Pauli supporters. Uh, for the Schalke St. Pauli game, it is at 2 p.m. local time in the Toronto area. So, if you are a Schalke or a St. Pauli fan and want to see your team play on Sportsnet, go to the Doc Ellis Sports Bar and enjoy the game. Hopefully, it will be another great Spider Bundesliga tilt. That's it for another edition of the Spider Bundesliga podcast. We will be back next week to look at the penultimate match day. Of this season. Bloody hell it's been a long season. But what a season it has been. Uh, Hope you all enjoy your weekend. Of Sweden Bundesliga football. Stay safe. And we look forward to you joining us next time.